Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. kindergarten, what the wedding ring might look like, or the ceremony, um, to death images, right? We each have, each culture has little variations. That's ingrained in us. I think it's so important that we recognize what powerful symbols that we have in our life that we assign meaning to, rather than being like, oh, well, some white dude, you know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago came up with this thing. Magic is, is open to everyone. Let's put in a hypothetical situation. I want to make a sigil to help me write a book, but I'm having massive writer's block. I know tons and tons of writers who have this problem. I want to write a book um, and get a, an agent and a publisher. Laura, how can I create a sigil to help me with that goal? Let me get a pen. <laughs> Well, my experience with the publishing industry is that it's best to start with a book. Mm -hmm. This is part one. And having, what is it, the book? What is that idea that you want to put out into the world? Because some people go, like, oh, I just want to write a book. But what do you want to write a book on? And how do you see this helping other people in the world? Number one, want to write a book. Okay. So we're brainstorming, going, what kind of book is it? Who is this book for? How long do I want the book to be? You know, uh, how quickly do I want to write it? Right? Cause you can write a, you can say I want to write a book, but 20 years, two months, right? Huge difference. Yeah. yeah. And there's, uh, my editor has, has told me some people were like, Oh yeah, I'm going to write a book on this. And like, she's been saying that for five years or 14 years now, you know, it's like, People have the ideas, but they don't go to the next part of when are they going to get it done. So setting yourself a deadline within your sigil, so you might say 12 months. Oh, I didn't know that. So this is step one, right, which is plan the sigil. So, okay, so what you're suggesting is this kind of grand idea that I have. Let's first start with all the little details, right, the who, what, when, where, how. And then maybe I could write like a sentence for each, right? I want to write a fiction book about a witch who meets a really hot warlock, right? And Which yep. sounds amazing, by the way. Um, and I want to write this book in, I want to finish the rough draft in five months. And I want to get an agent who loves the book within a year. Boom. I would say also, like, who's your market? Is it the young adult market? Is it dark romance market? Uh, you know, because this is also a thing that helps for you. Like, you're not going to 
do a young adult book that goes to like a university publisher, right? They're going to be like, no, you want dancing books or you want Scholastic or you want, you know, you have to think about who's your audience. So putting those little notes in there because that, that gets, you know, instead of putting a book in a general term, like, yeah, like, okay, a book. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean 40,000 words? 90,000 words? You know, is it, is it a novel? Are you, you know, where do you see this? So this is part of your programming, right? Go from the grand idea to the specific ideas. This so, sounds like a business plan. It's like what you would pitch to an actual publisher. Like that's what you yeah. would write. So I'm guessing that if you're creating a sigil for, let's say, uh, a relationship, you'd almost craft it or you'd think about it in a way that maybe if you were talking to a therapist or somebody who's trying to help you, like a relationship coach. Yeah. You're making it concrete. You're taking the abstracts, making it physical and concrete, which is the root of magic again. You know, the idea that if you're focusing your intent, whether you know it's a healing spell, job spell, all these different things, it starts as an idea. And then how do you physically implement it through the world, whether that's through sympathetic magic or through brainstorming to create a symbol. So getting specific also makes your brain go, this is what I need to accomplish, versus going, okay, book. Sure, yeah, we'll get that done. Yeah, sure, you know. Similar to Jason Miller in his book, 21 um, Elements of Spellcrafting, he talks about macro and micro enchantment, which is the macro is the large goal, the big picture, and then the micro are the little trees that you're going to plant to create the forest, basically. So step one, I like how that I'm starting to get really specific and concrete about what I want. So I'm going to write this amazing erotic novel about the witch who meets a really hot warlock, it's going to be a uh, kind of like the same audience for like Fifty Shades of Grey. I can't believe I'm saying this. Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, I haven't read the book, okay? And I would like to complete it within, again, like five months and find the agent within a year. So, okay, so I've planned it out. And then step two would be you would define the goal, which I think we've done. And then we go into designing it. All right, the fun part. What do we do now? So, uh, let's say when you think about a book, you think about a little rectangle. So maybe just for that book, I might line up a little rectangle there. And five months could be the number five. Could also be a V, which is the Roman numeral for five. Uh, it could be five little dots, you know, like little seeds. We've got that. Uh, you also have the idea of like within a one-year plan with your agent and what is an agent? Well, an agent can be a directing star. So perhaps a ascending pentacle or pentagram, you know, so you're pointing up, uh, and that also has a five to it. So you're going to get that overlap. So you're like, well, maybe instead of my, my star can be the agent and the five months coming together. Uh, with a little target of within a year, a one, which could be a goal, like the little open seed. So I talked about um, the closed circle and the dot, which is your point of origin. Your little tiny open circle is where do you want to go? All right, so that's going to be like your target. And so you might have, you line those things up. So you've got those three or four symbols. 
I might draw my, my rectangle first, because that's the book. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have a rectangle. And we talked about a star. So, a little star. And also within that star, let's say if I had an arrow for that point of getting something done. A little point of origin. So I've got this, and then coming up out of here, we might have that little open circle. And the other thing I would think about is you're going to want inspiration for this, because you're not just going to be like, oh, yeah, here's the storyline. You have to be inspired, and especially when you're slogging away at 50,000 words or wherever you want to be. Uh, do we have a word count on that, by the way? Uh, 50,000. 50,000? Mm -hmm. Okay. So with that, I'm going to put a little also five point in there, but I'm going to put in some asterisks around here. And I'm just going to make that a little bigger. In the sunlight there area. Like the sun is coming in, shining out. So that if I look at it and say, that's it, that's good. Or what I might be like, I feel like it needs something else. So maybe you have issues with procrastination mm -hmm. or keeping focus. So what I might do is put at the bottom of this is a little crescent moon. Because this is what I call the draining crescent. The idea that it allows things to flow away from you or it also protects you from the bottom, which if you think about depression, it tends to rise up in us. So let that go down from here. And then I also want to set a good schedule. So if we say five months, I might put one, two, three, four, five. Let's see that already. So you can actually put in your sigil, like if you foresee any problems or obstacles, you can sort of put in a, I see you, and I'm going to stop you in your track sort of thing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so that, that comes in the brainstorming and being honest with yourself. But it's just as easy as that, playing around with it. And I do recommend that you draw with a pen, even if you're like, oh, that looks a little wonky. I'm going to draw it again over here, and I think I really want these to be no, connected, sorry. I'm just talking about that. And you're like, no, I want my dot to be inside. And then it's going to shoot out. You know, so you can try out different things if you're not happy with the first one you did. And it's just a, this is the design process. Design is solving problems. So many people are like, I'm a designer. Like, you didn't solve any problems. Trust me, you just <laughs> made more because real designers solve problems. Which means that if I erase every time, if I take a pencil, because people are like, oh, it's not perfect. You're not seeing part of the journey. So if I go, oh, I want that circle to be a little more inside, when I redraw it, I can reference this rather than being like, oh, I erased it. I can't tell what I did. So drawing things out, I'll show you some, um, show everybody. Some of them are in the book. I will cover up the person's name. But this is a sigil I created for somebody who is seeking love, romance, companionship, creativity, and she had symbols that she, were important to her, which was the moon, flowers, and dahlias. 
so you can see I had a few different things that happened before I got to the final one, which then I scan in. And that's part of the process. So don't feel like, you know. You don't have to be a perfectionist. In fact, perfect anti-perfectionism is encouraged. Yes. Play around. Have fun. Part of the reason why in the book I make everything very hand-drawn and organic because you're like, oh, why don't you do these via computer? Like, because we're not, you know, we have computer brains, but we're not computers. And so when you see that these things are hand-drawn, you're like, oh, I can draw that thing. So nobody's going to, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm the critiquing sigil fairy. Your sigil's just not right. That's not up to me. It's up to you. And you don't have to sit there and get a ruler out, you know, and make sure everything's perfect because it's part of drawing it. And it's also moving your body. Again, as you're drawing, you're making shit with your body. And that has power too. So what would you suggest that I do with the actual design next? Okay. So let's give a few different examples. Let's say you don't like writing a computer. You, you want to write your whole book out maybe in a tablet because there's that kind of tablet program that you can write and it transcribes in the words. Or maybe you just like old school notebooks. You might put that sigil on your tablet cover or in your notebook so that every time you look at it, you have that little sensation of, ah, this is the thing. Or what you might do is be like, okay, it's that time of the week where I need to go to the cafe or I'm going to turn off all the social media and draw. And you pull out your sigil and you might do a little meditation over it. You can draw it into your coffee or tea. Uh, you can go back to the bathing with your sigil sort of concept is that, okay, I'm going to work on my book every day and I'm going to think about bathing with my sigil every day so that I'm motivated. I'm thinking about this book. You could, you could put it on a cookie. I mean, everything comes back to cookies. <laughs> Hey, no complaints here. <laughs> so you can make a whole lineup of cookies. Right? I'm going to focus on this. Um, or you can just have it where you put it, if you have an altar, you might put it on your altar and that your face of focus. And so that when you are communing with the universe and yourself, you're like, it's right there. Or you just put it with some lipstick on your mirror every day so that you see it, you know, like it's hanging out over there. You can take a little piece of wood, a seashell, and paint it. Uh, there are little lockets that you can get at jewelry supply stores where you can draw a little piece of paper and tuck it inside and know that it's inside like that. Anything that you are going to consciously respond to and make it part of your ritual. And by ritual, I mean that get, get working on the computer, whatever you need to do, so open up your notebook, whatever is going to help motivate you and be that little bit of your back of the mind, your back of the mind advertising. Right, this is a thing about advertising that you might not see an ad until like nine times through before you finally recognize it. So, a little tweak. Sounds like magic you can do on an everyday basis. This isn't like some super grand, like calling in the goetic spirits or anything like that. And it's also practice, right? The more you do something, the better you get at it. And so you're building up your magical muscles. And so that little bit of practice. Uh, I do recommend those, like, make sure it's something you actually need. I think when we're all, like, young little witches, we're like, I'm just going to use this crazy spell that I don't need just to see if it works. I think that's fun. But uh, 
you know, focus on what is it you actually want to bring in, even if it's just like no traffic today, you know, or some easy way, you know, so the small things don't make everything, it doesn't have to be huge and it doesn't have to be nonsensical. They create multiple sigils for different things at one time. Work with a sigil for the writing and a sigil to get a new apartment and whatever. Can you do that all in the same day? You could. If you feel inspired, you have all that stuff to do. <laughs> and when I sit down and craft sigils for other people, I often do them in a row because I'm in the space. And they're all equally potent. And every as I focus on one, I'm focused on just that one until it's done. So it's not like you're doing six at the same time. You're just doing them in succession. You don't have to do that many, but don't don't go nuts. <laughs> you're like, I'll do all the sigils all day long. You know, you gotta get out there and learn a little bit too. Let's say for the writing thing, can you make five or six different sigils about the same thing, talking about the macro and micro enchantments? Or do you suggest that you create one sigil with all those five or six different elements inside that one sigil? I would do the one sigil because you're focusing your energy. You know, everything is related to the book. So those different things are coming in. Uh, what I might suggest is that like at three months down the line, you're like, okay, I've got this part done. I want to adjust my sigil. You can change your design. You can you know, add something, take something out of it so that you streamline it because you no longer need that other thing. So you can, you can change your sigil. Uh, when you're doing a lot of them, it's sort of like, do you really need to cook six meals at once, six different meals, or do you just want one big meal? You know, or is this your appetizer, and this is your main meal, and this is your dessert? It's like you don't have to make a Thanksgiving meal every single day, but let's yeah. say that on a random Sunday, you're just like, you know what? I just want to make turkey stuffing and all the good stuff. Go for mm -hmm. it. If, yes. If you're inspired. So think logically. Uh, I think you know people all often go, "Oh, magic and logic." I don't know. Like, no, that's it makes sense, right? You know, we are doing witchcraft is about putting the world into sense. It's about making changes happen that are realistic. You know, they might start off in our brains, but we affect the real world around us every day, whether we call it magic or not. No, like I love the way that you're talking about witchcraft and magic. I mean, the book is called Sigil Witchery. And I really like that you're addressing witches. I feel like the word witch definitely has a connotation of sort of a more intuitive, more feminine energy. Um, oftentimes somebody who in society may not have a lot of overt mainstream power. Mm -hmm. And it's a way for witches and a, I include myself in that category because as a woman, as a person of color, um, there are a lot of things that in society that I may not be able to go and deal with like head on, but with magic, I can help sort of influence the situation in a way that makes me feel like, you know, it may not be physically, socially safe for me to do certain things, but with magic, I can go and try to make it so that it is safer for me. And I think the tone of the book also kind of, because it starts out in such a multicultural way as well, this isn't just like a Eurocentric, able-bodied, white dude sort of centered magic book. This is something that I think that 
any person who kind of doesn't relate to that sort of magic or that sort of worldview, they can look at this and and learn so much from it. I learned so much from it. I, that, that was my goal, is that it really should be accessible to everyone. And if you go by the radio or radio the gospel of the witches and the whole story the crux of that myth is that witchcraft is for the people who have been disenfranchised who are marginal who don't have the mainstream power and this is our tool to get what we need to survive and to rebalance the universe now initially i think witchcraft was how we got in touch with the universe itself and we've been pushed so far back and disconnected from it that we're figuring that out too. But that root first is in order for us to claim our power, we have to be in power. We need to get a bigger piece of the pie. We, there's enough pie for everybody, but we need to get some pie for everyone. And you know, the methods, some of, some of that, that white dude magic methods really hasn't, blossomed into that world yet that we are working with the liminal that we are recognizing how of everyone and um, and finding that equality in the world and that's, that's what really helps get people thinking more creatively if you think more creatively you can have more power over the world one of the great things about being a witch and just uh, witchcraft is that it is very much based in well what do we have on hand right now right what yes. do we have on hand how can we do stuff, trying to take advantage of like the natural cycles of nature, of course, but what can we do now, you know, like within this power structure, within our sort of realm of control, the sigil method that you have, it is taking advantage of all of that, right? Some people want to do the movement. Some people want to bake, you know, that's how they express their intent. Some people, they may not be able to uh, create like, that's like pieces of art with sigils in it, but they can draw something on a little piece of paper and then maybe they can do something with sugar and then that makes them feel good. I mean, there's so many different ways to do sigils that I didn't think about before because the way that we were taught or so many magicians were taught, it was just so narrow. Trap is a sensual experience. So why not use the senses? Why not use touch and taste and smell, whether it's an incense blend that you do, all these different things. You can put it in your wine, you know, the I like to say that a MacGyver witch. The reference is getting probably old, ancient. But All right, hot shot. So you got a golden palomina between your knees and no rings. Now what? in a rubber band and make a bomb if you have to and like to do the thing that you have the powers within you it's not the stuff we might assign power to the stuff it can help us along but you're still the driver and i love how you stress that it's what's meaningful to you you know like society tells you media tells you the powers that be tells you this is what this means and you don't have to go with that Go with what your gut says. So, Laura, what's up with you in the next couple months? Like, if people want to get in touch with you or maybe they want to see you in person, will it be possible? Yes. Uh, so, I will be uh, touring the West Coast 
uh, in the next couple weeks. And then in the fall, I will be touring the rest of the United States and for like at least six weeks. So I will be all over the Eastern Seaboard through the Midwest uh, Earth Warriors Festival. I'll be in Houston for their first night, first Friday magic market that they do. And all of that will be on my website, which is lauratempestatcroft.com. Uh, as well as a Facebook page. Uh, and also coming out in the fall is uh, my third book that I co-authored with Jason Maggie, which is The Witch's Altar. And that's from the Witch's Tool series by Llewellyn. And my first one was The Witch's Cauldron, which is all about cauldrons. Which is, I take the same approach that, how many different cauldrons do you have in your house right now? People are like, oh, I don't have any cauldrons. Like, if you have a bathtub, if you have a coffee pot, if you have a tea kettle, you have a cauldron. Uh, so that same very organic, intuitive approach. And then but I'm really excited. It seems like a lot of books at once, but it, it takes time for all these things to come out. Is Weave the Liminal, Living Modern Traditional Witchcraft. And that is my take on modern traditional witchcraft. It's what I call my path. And it's designed that anyone of any background can design the path of witchcraft for themselves. Uh, outside of the construct of Wicca, of all these other different traditions, these ideas of tradecraft, taking who you are, where you come from, where you are living, because where you live affects what's around you, the spirits, uh, whether you want to work with gods, don't want to work with gods, spellcraft, all these different things are, are in this book. So that'll be coming out in January. So Laura, what are three songs that you feel represent your magic? It's so hard just to pick three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick, actually, um, three very different artists. Uh, the first one is from is Old School Goth and from Sisters of Mercy oh, as Confidence. And it's just this sensual, vampy song that pulls in all these little esoteric and mythic references, uh, but it has this amazing dark sensual experience to it. And whatever that song comes on, it's that. <laughs> yes. Next one is Florence and the Machine. I love all of Florence. But the first song I actually heard from her. of my life like you've been doing this for a while and your life is either going to dead end or you can go on the awesome stuff she writes about water in all of her songs like it's kind of her current thing like oh you're about animals or, or elements or you know different things like that and that's about a changing things so i love the idea of this submersion and then coming back out and the last one is by a band named brown bird and I have a lot of awesome albums, but from their album, The Devil Dancing, it's uh, Down to the River. Money just to make ends meet. Lord, won't you send me There ain't nobody in this world anybody like me. Uh, and it's different from the one that uh, you hear in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is a traditional hymn. This Down to the River is about a man and his lover and his lover is sick, and so he goes to heaven to try to save her, and he goes to hell to try to save her. 
and they're not having him. And he goes back to her, and she's like, well, I will have you no matter what, and she heals in that moment. It's sort of this, you can go all over, but the power in that relationship, it's right there in that belief. Like, how do you feel about witches becoming more mainstream? I think it's wonderful. I know, like, some people get really upset over it, but, like, the more young people being, become inspired by it and go, wait, I don't have to listen to the patriarchy. I don't have to be in society's mold that doesn't fit me and find that self-empowerment. That's just a win-win for everyone um, inside the patriarchy. The things that need to be broken, you know, already broken that need to be crumbled and, and composted as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm all for it. And people are like, oh, well, it's trendy. I'm like, oh, is this such a bad trend? You know, there's currently like a, a white supremacist trend in the United States right now. That's not a good trend. Young people being empowered and finding magic and tapping into something other than organized religion that only wants to fit you in tiny spaces and take your money and say that you are evil. Hey, I'm all for. I'm all, that's the trend. I'm all for the witchcraft trend. Um, it also means you get like great clothes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Everybody shits on it. I've talked about this a million times with a million different people. People are always shitting on the witch aesthetic. They use it as a pejorative. And for me, it's sort of like, well, you know, a lot of young people, they are first attracted to the visuals. It's like that with any sort of art. I mean, let's face it. When we were teenagers, half the time, we liked the music that we liked because the clothes were cool and the people just looked cool doing the music. And then you got into the band. And then you were like, oh, this music is awesome. And that's how you get into it. It's like starting out from this like super like judgmental purist mind point. To me, that is so elitist. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like, well, I'm sorry, dude, but not everybody, you know, had the luxury of having all the sort of occult education thrown at them first. Sometimes, you know, you just really like the fact that Hello Kitty is on like a t-shirt, like with like a broom and a witch hat. And then you're yeah. like, oh. And then you learn more about that. Just you know, And the fact that somebody is attracted to that witch aesthetic, I think it also means that they're open to learning more about witchcraft. And like we mentioned, witchcraft and being a witch, there's a wonderfully subversive element to it. I think it's a healthy mindset, especially for a lot of teenage girls, a lot of teenage um, trans people, teenage people of color. It's a way to say sort of like mainstream society is telling me certain things and I'm saying, I don't need you. I can do it my way. Call for it. Don't, don't be witchy. Just do the research too. That's all we need is you just need to get, just need to get them in the front door, right? It was back, it was back in the 90s. We were like, oh, the crap. We like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, make me blonde. Me, 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 me. No, no, no. Make me blonde. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, but how many people are still around because they saw the craft and they're like, what is Wicca? What is witchcraft? I, that's a cool thing. Those people are now like the leaders in the pagan community of a certain age. Maybe a couple of kids didn't come along with us, but the ones who did are here and doing amazing things. So every generation is going to have that. And I love that. We're seeing even more and more in the younger generation. It's like, I'm so happy. It just makes me, makes me so proud. So, guys and gals, don't let anybody tell you that just because you're really into wearing a lot of black and you like to wear platform shoes and you like, you know, earrings like this, 
That doesn't mean that you're any less of a magical person, okay? Just because you like to look cool does not mean that you're any less of an intellectual. It doesn't mean that you're any less of a powerful spell thrower or anything like that, okay? What you do with the spell, that and your results, that's what determines whether or not you are powerful or not. Fuck all the other noise. Fuck all that other noise, okay? Whatever makes you feel beautiful and powerful, that's... Because if you feel it on the outside, you have to funnel it on the inside. And so guys, please let us know in the comments, what are some symbols that you strongly relate to? And how do you feel like you can use those symbols to start creating your vocabulary of sigils? There's an actual part in Laura's book where it's almost like she puts down these words and then you draw like what you associate with those specific words. You can start creating a dictionary. I enjoyed so much talking to you, Laura. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.